Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known to the nations or our ministry in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today we take up our consideration, begun in our last broadcast, of what it takes to hear the good news. The Bible's description of a person outside of Christ, saving grace, is of an individual who is spiritually in a comatose state, unresponsive to the truth, actually thrashing out against it. And the question is, how does that person, unconscious of their deep need and unresponsive to God's answer, ever come to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? How are persons who are ignorant, inert, antagonistic, blinded by the God of this age, bound in the lethargy of sleep, that is, of spiritual death, ever going to respond to the message of this gospel? How are they ever going to hear it? How is it ever going to penetrate their hearts and their minds? This is an important question to ask. Because the description of the state of the lost man is a description that described all of us at least at one point in time in our lives. Every one of us was exactly as this person is that we've described. A number of us may be there still right now. You can be in seminary in your third year and still be in this state, in this condition. You can actually be quite adept at studying your Bible and knowing it and You can be quite proficient in the Greek and the Hebrew. You might know how to orchestrate all the programs of the church and be trained in being quite a wonderful therapist and counselor as well. And still, be in the condition we just described. Ignorant, motionless towards the things of God, antagonistic towards His truth, blinded by the God of this age in a spiritual stupor of death. Whether you're there or not, you have all been there at one point in time. If you've come to Christ, Christ found a way to get through that overlay that kept you from His truth. That's the first thing that He had to have victory over. Oh, not just forgiving your sins, but He had to have victory over this barrier to even you being able to be perceptive to receive that truth. So... The question we ask is, how does God get through to us at this point? How does He get us to the place where we can hear and obey this message? Well, let's look at some things real quick. First, God has a part to play in all this. God does something Himself. First, what God does is God seeks a remedy for us. You can write it down. The first thing God does is He seeks a remedy for us. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 16 tells us about this. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 16, speaks about God's effort to bring a remedy to individuals. In this case, it's the nation of Judah, who God is trying to bring away from judgment and bring into His saving life. And it says this in chapter 36, verse 16 of 2 Chronicles. This was Judah's response to what God did. They mocked the messengers of God. They despised His words, God's words. They scoffed at His prophets until the wrath of God arose against His people, till there was no remedy. Now listen, there had been a remedy available to them. The remedy was His messengers. The remedy was found in His Word 
The remedy was found in the prophets he sent to them, but they continued to reject it until there was no remedy found. But here's the good news. God was pursuing the remedy. He was the one actively seeking to bring a message and a remedy to them. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1 says this. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. Good news, there was a remedy available to him. That's why he was often rebuked. That's why he was often corrected in order that his life might be diverted from destruction into the ways of life. And God was seeking a remedy for them. I just want you to know that you'll never find yourself in a place of destruction and say, why didn't God stop me or say something to me? God is constantly throwing up barriers and messages before you and people in your lives and signals and stop signs and barriers saying, stop, turn, turn, go this way, go this way. God seeks a remedy for us. Not only this, God draws people to himself. God seeks to coax people unto Himself and to His salvation. Jeremiah 31.3. This is what it says. Jeremiah says, The Lord has appeared to me of old, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Now, that statement, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness, is a summary of all of the experiences of your life. You haven't necessarily at this point in time been able to add up why negative things happened to you, why you went through hard circumstances, why you were exposed to the evils that other people commit, why you had such a personality that was, you know, so hard-headed or whatever. You haven't been able to figure it all out and you haven't put it all together, but let me just piece it together for you. God loves you. God loves you so much that He orchestrated the circumstances in your life so that all these things, even the negative things and the hard things and the difficult things, would all come together in such a way that God could find the combination to turn you back to Himself. God has loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore, regardless of whether you know it or not, God has, through all these things, sought the agency of circumstances in the sovereign plan to draw you to Himself. Romans 2, verse 4, puts it in a different way. Here, Paul is speaking to individuals who have been the recipients of this good, loving work of God, sovereignly overseeing their life, in the midst of their hardships and difficulties, which God will use to draw them to Himself, also pouring upon them blessings and benefits and delights. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul speaks to these individuals and he says, Do you despise... The riches of His goodness, speaking of God's goodness, the riches of God's goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. That's saying that God was drawing men to Himself. It's the same idea, the same concept. God was good to you. Don't you know that God has been long-suffering with you? that He has held back and restrained Himself from judging you, that God has been good to you instead, and you've not known that the reason God did all this was to lead you to turn away from yourself and turn into Him? God draws us. God leads us. John 6, verse 44. Jesus says this, of this drawing work of the Father. 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You might have your Bible open there. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Keep your finger there. Just remember that. In John chapter 12, verse 32, the Lord Jesus speaks a little bit further about what this drawing is or how it will culminate, this drawing work of the Father. In John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says, we're told in the passage that Jesus spoke this thing speaking of his death on the cross. He said, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, speaking of his being raised up on the cross to die on the cross, will draw all people to myself. I'll draw them to me. This is God's drawing work. With everlasting love, He's drawn us. With goodness, He's drawn us. By speaking and teaching and wanting to be heard by us, He seeks to draw us. By presenting to us His own suffering for our sins on the cross, He seeks to draw us. Now the right response to individuals who are not ignorant and inert and antagonistic and blind and in a spiritual stupor the right response to these verses we've just spoken of is to say, God, then bring to me your remedy. Fix me. Bring to me your remedy. The right response is to say, God, if you're wanting to draw people, draw me. Draw me lovingly to yourself. The right thing to say is, God, in your goodness, I see the things you've done for me. Oh, God, let me follow these things like little benefits and blessings along the trail and lead me to yourself. Lead me to your life. The right response is, God, let me hear you. Lord, let me be taught by you. Let that happen. The right response is, if this is true, O God, then let me see Jesus Christ lifted up from the earth for me so that I might be drawn towards Him. Is that the response that takes place here? No. In Jeremiah... Instead of the people responding to the loving, constraining work of God, we have the pronouncement that's given in Second Chronicles that we read earlier, where they resisted God's messengers to the point that there was no remedy for them. And ultimately, the nation of Judah is led away into judgment, into Babylonian captivity. They didn't respond to this loving drawing of God. In Romans chapter 2 Verse 4, where the goodness and forbearance and long-suffering of God leads men to repentance. Do they respond in the right way? No. Read verse 5 of Romans chapter 2, and it says this. Paul goes on to say that this was their response to the goodness of God that was seeking to bring them to repentance, to turning into Him. No, instead, in accordance with the hardness of your heart and your impenitent or unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render each one according to his deeds. God is lavishing upon you the treasures of his goodness to lead you to repentance and instead your heart is so firmly fixed against God that you are treasuring up for yourself instead wrath. God is trying to pour upon you the treasures of his goodness Instead, you're storing up and treasuring up 
the outpouring of His wrath because you won't repent. God draws ignorant, inert, antagonistic, blind, dead men resist still. Well, in John 6, how do they respond? How does the crowd respond when the Lord Jesus says, except the Father draw him? If you will just be taught by God, you will see my truth. What is the ultimate response to his conversation with him in John chapter 6? Well, you come to verse 66 of John chapter 6, and you see what the summary outcome is of this declaration that God is trying to draw you to me. It says there, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no longer. That's the outcome. John chapter 12, Christ concludes his comments of being lifted up to draw all men to himself by calling all the people. He says, now, walk in the light that I'm revealing to you. Just come to me and walk in the light that I'm making known to you. But then, in verse 37, John, who writes this gospel, gives us a summary of Christ's light. Jesus says, listen, I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Now, walk in the light that I'm giving to you, and it'll bring you to me. And you'll see that I'm going to fulfill all these things, and I'm going to be God's way and provision for your spiritual need. But this is the summary of the result of this light that Christ portrays before these men during the course of his lifetime. In verse 37, John writes, But although he, speaking of Christ, had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Join us again in our next broadcast as we consider the lengths God will go to to wake us up to our need of Him. Until then, this has been the Bread of Life. For a copy of this message or to support our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.